Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Anne-Marie Fine. Anne-Marie is a fellow naturopathic physician, and she's not only passionate about environmental medicine, but also organic skincare. She's created a skincare line called I Am Fine. It's a beautiful product line with two really amazing products that we'll be talking more about. And we really um, both connected at a conference a few years ago, and we have a mutual passion. There's a lot of synergy in our approach and how she really feels that what we're putting on our skin, um, especially women, um, can be a huge trigger for autoimmunity and chronic illness. And so we're not only passionate about sharing wonderful products so you look and feel your best, but also that you can be educated about really what you put on your skin does matter. So I hope you enjoy our conversation today and um, we look forward to hearing your response. Thank you. Dr. Anne-Marie Fine is the founder and CEO of Fine Natural Products, a doctor-owned company dedicated to providing organic, botanical, and vitamin-based skincare solutions that feed and nourish the skin. Dr. Fine is a practicing doctor, award-winning researcher, author, and highly sought-after national and international speaker based in Newport Beach, California. Her unique expertise in environmental medicine and formulation has enabled her to combine epigenetics and environmental medicine to permit genes to express their quintessential beauty quotient. As a doctor specializing in environmental medicine, formulating her own anti-aging toxin-free skincare products, Dr. Fine is especially sensitive to the weighty effects of today's myriad chemical ingredients on developing fetuses, babies, children, and adults. Dr. Fine's passion is to formulate elegant, eco-conscious anti-aging products that are totally clean, truly organic, and actually work. Her products, articles, and educational seminars represent her lifelong commitment to unlocking both the secrets and the science of aging beautifully. Dr. Anne-Marie Fine, NMD, CPA, graduated with high academic honors from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Tempe, Arizona. She received her undergraduate degree from the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. Welcome, Dr. Fine. I'm so excited to interview you today. Well, thanks, Dr. Schaffner. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Absolutely. And, you know, as we were getting ready for this conversation, we just had so much fun learning more and more about our mutual passions and synergy. And we're both naturopathic doctors, as you may know, and uh, we both have a deep passion, not only for environmental medicine, but educating uh, women and just everyone on uh, the health implications of clean beauty. And I think we're going to have a really informative conversation today. I know that you were ahead of your time in bringing uh, this information to light and even creating the products that you have created. Um, But people are catching up and people are, you know, demanding, you know, more information and better products. And I know that you were, you know, at the head of this, um, you know, learning curve for a lot of us. And so how did you really bridge the gap from being a naturopathic medicine uh, doctor, naturopathic doctor, and an environmental medicine specialist? And how did you bridge that gap into really um, developing your own product line and becoming passionate about organic and clean beauty? Uh, that that's a good question. It's the story of my journey, and it really begins when I was uh, a new doctor seeing patients. I really noticed that my female patients had so many more complaints of a chronic nature than my men in terms of autoimmune disease and chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and you know all the, all of this tiredness. Nobody had any energy. People were gaining weight, and I thought 
I was thinking, what is the one thing that women do that men don't do? And something that came to mind is all of the products that we women slather on our body all day long, basically. And what is that doing to us? Is there a connection? So I started looking at that more carefully in terms of the products and the ingredients. And I started seeing that a lot of these things that we put on our skin, they are absorbed into the body and they, they are toxic and they are contributing to our body burden, which is contributing to our epidemic of chronic disease today. And so I wanted to address that by having my female patients use better products. But when they asked me, what should I use? I started looking at what was available and I, I was pretty appalled at, you know, the shenanigans that went on with some of these lines to call themselves, you know, natural or clean or what have you. And so I was inspired really to start my own line of products. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many of us probably know this by now, but even just um, if this is still new information to take it a step back, many people might think, well, how can, uh, you know, products that are bad for us end up in, um, you know, uh, beauty products and just maybe just a little bit of background of how do we, why do we even find carcinogenic and neurotoxic ingredients in like the average personal care product? What are we up against? I think um, that's a really important thing to set set the stage. Yes. Let me set the stage here. The FDA really does not require that products be tested or even reviewed before they come on the market. And so these things that are on the market that are available anywhere, are they're not tested. No one's looking at them. And our regulations in the United States are a lot more lax than they are, say, in Europe or even in Japan or other countries, they have tighter regulations on their personal care products and other products. And so what this means is the big global companies uh, that are producing products are producing different levels of products. And the most toxic products go to the U.S. and the ones that are um, cleaner go to Europe and Japan, wherever they have to be cleaner. And it's something that women and men in in the US we should really be aware of that we do we have really lax regulations and we are getting the less um the less clean products over here Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wake up call for, you know, many people still. I mean, I think the patients that you and I see are very educated and they're, you know, getting more and more savvy. But, um, you know, I, I think um, as Americans and as um you know, as people who are dedicated to educating people about health, it's very, um, you have to be very proactive in our country to avoid um, environmental toxins. And I think this is such a huge um, area of exposure um, that I, I, I'm just so glad that you're out there sharing more information about that. So so the FDA, they're not protecting us, um, you know, out of all the countries, you know, in the world where, you know, we get the most toxic ingredients. And so, and if it's not regulated, then how do we go from, you know, getting something, you know, maybe at a, um, you know, a conventional 
drugstore to really, you know, if we want a natural product, what are we, what are we to look for? Cause there's this whole idea of greenwashing where you think you're getting a natural product, but, um, when you look at the ingredients, it might not be as clean as you think. So what are some things to look out for as far as how to really identify if this is a good quality product and not something yeah. that's been okay. greenwashed? Right. So that's a good question. And what I teach everyone is you must learn how to read a label because that's where the information is. It's not on the title of the product or the image on the front of the bottle. It's in in the label. And so that's why one of the things I offer is I have an online digital class that teaches people how to read a label properly. And you need to learn this. You can't rely on a product saying at the top natural um, shampoo because natural for one thing is not a regulated word and it actually doesn't have a meaning. And even you could have a product that says organic shampoo in the title of the product or the name of the product. But when you turn it around and look at the ingredients on the label, you may not find any ingredient that are organic or you may find one one or two, and they may say, well, you know, we have one or two, that's good enough, we're, we're gonna call our product organic. And so the other thing that you need to look out for is so the companies now understand that consumers are driving this profound shift into cleaner and um, better products for themselves and their family, it's consumer driven. But they don't, they're not really in the space. They don't really understand it. And I've pressed them for answers on my trips to Europe. And they say things like, there's really nothing wrong with parabens or phthalates or whatever the ingredient in question is. It's just that these darn consumers keep thinking there's something wrong with them. And so we have to, um, you know, we're in the business of making money. So we have to. Um, you know, kind of kowtow mm -hmm. to that <laughs> to that thinking. Well, that means they, they're not really that interested. It's just a, it's all a marketing gimmick to them. And so they may put pictures of pretty herbs on the front of their packages of personal care products. But if you read the ingredients, there may not be as there may be one lone herb in there. It might be the last thing on the bottle. So you really you can't depend on um, anything except you're, you're, you have to know how to read a label so you don't get fooled. And you have to know that the first ingredient on a label is the bulk of what's in that product. They're listed in order of concentration. And so if the, even if there's something really, really good at the end, that's a minuscule amount. And so if the first two or three products are not good, well, that's the bulk of your product. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think um, people have caught on to this idea of parabens, but what, you know, just for the average listener, what is a paraben and why should you avoid a paraben? Oh, a paraben is a, uh, it's a preservative that's been used for many, many decades, kind of the preferred preservative. And the reason why it's so preferred and prevalent is because it works really well against bacteria and fungi, and it's um, you know it, there's it, it's a class of compounds that you can mix them and match them. And anyway, the problem is that they are uh, endocrine disruptors, and they actually tweak or 
um, confuse your own hormones in your body. And they are, they've also been investigated in terms of their relation to breast cancer and other cancers. And there's quite a few articles written in the literature that um, look at the connection between parabens and breast cancer. And right now, the way that we determine if something is carcinogenic is really kind of an old test called the Ames test, right, Christine? Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> it's coming back it, to me, right? <laughs> yeah, the Ames test. And it's like, is this molecule mutagenic? Is it mutagenic? That's a yes or no question, right? But really, there's an emerging paradigm of cancer that is coming out, and it really looks at characteristics of cancer. And there's, um, there's like uh, five primary uh, emergent characteristics of cancer and, and, you know, two peripheral ones. I mean, it's not just one thing. And this is something that I lecture on when I, when I talk about parabens and personal care products. If you look at this new paradigm of looking at potential cancer causing compounds, parabens hits it like at five different places in terms of, um, you know, spurring, spurring it to, you know, the cell to grow, you know, unabashedly or, or something like that. And so even though it has not been declared a carcinogen, it's an endocrine disruptor, it's still being looked at in terms of what is its connection to breast cancer, because cancer is on the rise. It's one in two men and one in three women. And what's interesting is there's a researcher in um, the UK who's been looking at parabens and breast cancer, and she has she um, had access to Scottish breast tissue from the 80s, from mastectomies, from mm-hmm. breast cancer, and she looked at the amount of parabens in those samples and compared them to breast tissue from um, probably just a few years ago. And the, I think it, I think it's four times the concentration of parabens are now being seen in breast breast tissue today, which doesn't mean it's causing the problem. But isn't it interesting that from a pure concentration standpoint, we have so much more parabens sitting in our breasts because our breasts are lipophilic sinks, and these a lot of these toxins, the lipophilic, just means that you know, these toxins that love fat, they can be stored in fat and the breasts are mostly fat. And so in terms of pure concentration of these things that are coming into our body, our burden is increasing. And this is, it's problematic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's really interesting. I I wasn't aware of that. And, you know, just how our exposure over time, you know, it's this bioaccumulation, you know, that happens, it's, you know, maybe one use won't um, be as disruptive. But as we were talking, I mean, a lot of young women and a lot of young girls start using personal care products from a very young age. And if we're kind of slathering our skin um, with these ingredients, they do have uh, an effect over time. And um, I think some people still think, oh, you know, if it's something, my skin isn't going to absorb that much. But we know that the skin is a huge um, route of um, eliminate. It's an excretory organ, but it also we use it in drug delivery all the time um, that we absorb so much through the 
the skin. And so I think that's really, really important to, you know, understand in that, um, you know, we're seeing these ingredients in our tissues. They do, you know, they do get stored um, and they do have an effect. I have, you know, this brings up so many questions, but without um, taking a different direction yet. So you mentioned endocrine disruptors. So what are some other endocrine disruptors other than parabens that we would commonly see on a label that we should avoid? Well, the one that I want to talk about next is um, you will never see it on a label because it's not required to be disclosed. And it's called a phthalate. And a phthalate is an endocrine disruptor and it's used in, in artificial fragrances. And an artificial fragrance is considered a trade secret. And so the companies don't have to disclose the 10 to 100 ingredients in their formulary, you know, perfume, because then other people could copy it, or that's, that's the rationale. So whenever you see the word fragrance on your products, whatever it is, you have to think phthalates, because phthalates are added to the fragrance as a scent fixative. It, it holds the scent to your body longer. Otherwise, the scent would sit, you would put your perfume on, and it would just evaporate. And, you know, 30 minutes later, there's no smell. So this is, this is the chemical that they use to make that scent last longer. And it's also used in, in other products too, like hairspray, and, and it's really ubiquitous. But you'll never see it on a label. And so what I say to people is the number one thing, if I had to distill everything I talk about today into one, um, you know, pearl, it would be to use unscented products on your body and in your home. And in your home means dishwashing detergent and laundry detergent and cleaning products, no scented candles, you know, no, none of those plug-in air fresheners. The plug-in air fresheners are like toxic bombs. They've got benzene in it, a known carcinogen. They've got phthalates in it. They've got formaldehyde in it. And, you know, people are thinking that it's nice to add a fresh scent to your home by plugging in this cancer bomb into your into your wall. It's mm. crazy. It's, mm. There's nothing natural about it. It's so artificial. So I would say, and on your shampoos and your, your skincare products, you don't want a scent. Now, a scent that is derived from an essential oil is different. That's a different deal. It's not an artificial formulation. If you see on your label oil of um, lavender or neroli oil or something like that, that is a specific plant product derived oil that has a scent to it. And you don't have to worry about phthalates with that. No, and that um, that's huge because I think um, people don't know that you can easily skim over an ingredient label and see fragrance and th- think that's all that there is, right? But that can be uh, um, hundreds of ingredients, including these phthalate uh, endo- endocrine disruptors. And so I think that's a really important. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two more things about phthalates before we leave it, because mm-hmm. one of one of them is going to blow your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to think, oh, the first one is that these endocrine disruptors are part of what is making us fat. Mm -hmm. People are gaining weight like crazy and they're not eating sugar all day long or, you know what I mean? They're not eating ice cream all day long. People are gaining weight and they're getting diabetic and these endocrine disruptors, including 
parabens and phthalates and more are part of the problem. They are pushing us toward, they're changing us metabolically and um, making us gain weight. So they are obesogens, which is means they're making us obese. But the second thing <laughs> is that new research came out on the phthalates. This kind of blew me away. Phthalates, so you know, if you're putting on perfume, you're actually putting that on your skin. When you put body lotion on, you're putting it on your skin. But it turns out that they tested phthalates. And let's say somebody around you, like you had to run through the gauntlet at the department store with the lady spraying perfume, and there's no way you can get around it. That air has perfume in it. You are absorbing phthalates through the ambient air. Mm. And even if you use scented cleaning products in your home and, you know, you're not cleaning anymore, but they are in your home, they're in your air, and you have the ability when they um, to absorb them in your skin just by being in that environment. And so that makes fragrance like the new secondhand smoke. Mm. You can, wow. yeah, mm. get your toxic hit. And you don't even have to be the one. You could work in an office with, you know, a, a couple ladies wearing, you know, perfume, even though you yourself have decided not to wear it, and you're still getting phthalates from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a fragrance-free policy at Sophia where I um, work, and um, it, it's amazing, especially because there's this, you know, there's an increase in autoimmune disorders, and then there is an increase in, you know, patients who have multiple chemical sensitivity and this increased sensitivity to these toxic, you know, environments. I think I think of them as the canary in the coal mine. Um, these highly, highly sensitive um, individuals who really can that that will get very sick, you know, by these exposures. So working in this type of environment and with these types of patients, I've, be, I've become very sensitive myself to um, when you're out of, when you don't inhale this stuff all day long, right? And then you go into a public, you know, place, it becomes, um, and I, I'm not that sensitive, but I can, I, I don't feel well um, when I um, am next to somebody using a, a typical synthetic conventional, you know, phthalate ridden fragrance. It's it's pretty yes. um, remarkable. That, I mean, that's fascinating that they can document how, it's, um, you know, how the, um, the air can, um, be a route of absorption. I, I'm not surprised, but I'm, I'm glad that they could document that. And then with the, you know, um, obesity epidemic, I know that we have a lot of work to do with our food in America, but, you know, there's this increasing environmental exposure and these, um, environmental toxicants do affect our endocrine, um, system, our insulin regulation, our, you know, pancreas, all of these things. And, um, you know, we often see clinically, and I'm sure you see this a lot too, that when people um, do quote a detox or detoxify their life and their body, that they do um, lose weight. You know, we, we see that yes, as a very, um, you know, a, a, an important strategy for weight loss. Um, so Anne-Marie, so um, just touching on the label, just one more um, kind of maybe just one more question on labels, because I think this is really important. So we have parabens, we have phthalates. And then if you were going to choose kind of one more really common ingredient that gets greenwashed um, that people should be um, aware of, what would you what would you like to share um, for people to really make sure that they're avoiding? I mean, there's so many, <laughs> but what would be what would be one more that you feel like just with your research? that people should really be aware of? Um, 
It's hard to pick one. I know. And you can pick more than one. I was just thinking, you know, for practicality, you know, people can now look at a label and say parabens. Okay. If there's a paraben, don't pick it up. If there's a fragrance that doesn't have an asterisk saying essential oil derived, blah, 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 don't pick it up. But if there's another ingredient, um, another one that I, I'm, um, not happy with is formaldehyde, which mm-hmm. is a carcinogen, and it's you can't find it on a label too. I just think it's so it's like cheating. It's mm-hmm. like some of the most neurotoxic and carcinogenic <laughs> things. You would have no idea if you didn't know how to read a label. Mm-hmm. And so, just to explain it further, um, the formaldehyde releasing preservative systems are used because guess what? Formaldehyde is a really good preservative. And Mm -hmm. we know that, Christine, because we we had to be in the cadaver lab. I know. We were in medical school and they were were preserved with formalin, which is a form of formaldehyde. It works great. Mm -hmm. But the companies are too savvy. I mean, they know that you can't just stick formaldehyde in your label and, Mm -hmm. and, and get away with it. And so what they do is they come up with these particular chemicals that don't even really sound like formaldehyde, but they break down in for, into formaldehyde over time. So your product, as it's sitting on the warehouse and sitting on a truck and getting to the store and then getting into your home when you buy it two for one, and then you got to store it because they're really big containers that you got at Costco. I mean, the shelf life is incredibly long, which is a problem, but... Um, and, and so the, from it, the thing has more formaldehyde in it, the, right, the older it gets because these chemicals are converting and people don't know that. And so I do have a list of those um, mm-hmm. in my book, I have them in my book. So what to look for in my book. And then I have it in my class. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. but that's another one that just kind of drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited to just um, scan that myself in your book because I that's that's a that's a um, really important um, toxicant to avoid, and I could see how you could be very misled if you didn't know what to look for. I know, and another word about that when when my kids were babies, when I was a new mom, I. This is many years ago. My my oldest is thirty, so this is thirty years ago where your your clean and your baby appropriate products really did exist. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I, I guess what I get is Johnson and Johnson's um, No More Tears baby shampoo, right? I mean, it's been around forever. Everybody knows that's what you do with a baby, and it says No More Tears, which is a plus when you have a baby in the bath. So I'm like, yep, that's what I'm gonna get. So I got it. And I washed my baby's hair. All I got was tears. You know, I just got a screaming, crying baby anytime I ever tried to use that shampoo on him, which forced me to go to the health food store and find something else. So I never I never used it after that. But guess what? That company under pressure from consumers has reformulated the No More Tears, the iconic No More Tears formulation. And guess what they took out? The formaldehyde-releasing preservatives. So basically, I was putting formaldehyde-releasing preservatives on my baby's head, and he was letting me know that that was not okay with him. (laughs) (laughs) He was putting you on your path from day one, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I know. And then I was just like, that is really 
that's a jip. I mean, their marketing is really off base. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's where, I mean, the message, and you know, I know that you and I are both um, getting across is that, you know, Mark, I mean, the cosmetic and personal care and beauty industries, they spend so much money on marketing and, um, you know, they can market a product that really has, um, that's really nothing but marketing and has really minimal um, ingredients that are helpful, lots of uh, toxicants. And it's just, you feel good because of the marketing, but not really, there's no, um, there's no basis, right. To, to the right, product. It's, mm-hmm. it's form over substance and the mm-hmm. form is how beautiful the packaging is. And, you know, the label has pretty pictures on it or the marketing is just very, it's what you want to hear, but the substance is really what counts. And so you have to be able to get educated so that you yourself always know, and you don't have to rely on anyone else or anyone else's rating system. You just, you yourself will know if it's a good product or not. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very empowering. And that's why I I had a lot of fun making my course because I really wanted to empower women so that they just knew, like they could pick up anything anywhere and Mm -hmm. look at the ingredients and they would know, yep, this goes into my shopping cart or no, this goes back on the shelf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. They can't be fooled. Right. Um, Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, out of your research, you ended up creating two really beautiful products. And I, I would love to just dive into the formulations and how you created them, just because I think there's so much education we can learn from um, how these were inspired. Okay, great. Um, sure, I love to talk about that. I started attending um, really these conferences and trainings in Europe because I wanted to put together a European styled uh, anti-aging serum. In Europe, the women tend to use oil-based serums. And in the U.S., the women tend to use creams and cream-based moisturizers, lotions, creams and lotions. So I really wanted to do something that was very pure and very effective and very concentrated. And so that's where I really got my training. And then I really um, traveled worldwide to develop my sourcing because I'm very, very picky about my sourcing. And what I came up with was uh, the Youth Serum, which is my product for women's face to, um, you know, fight the appearance of fine lines and, and wrinkling and really deeply, deeply hydrate. And what I wound up using for my very first ingredient is blueberry seed oil, which is so, so rich, so high in tocotrienols, which is part of the vitamin E family. It's a natural substance. And then I added in the organic pomegranate seed oil, organic um, cranberry seed oil, organic pumpkin seed oil, uh, some organic olive oil. I used the seed oils because the seed contains everything that that um, plant is going to need to grow. So it's a very nutritive, concentrated, and and fatty um, substance. And when you combine it with the essential oils that I use, like one of them is Helichrysomycetalicum, which is a very, very expensive essential oil that actually has component called neuroacetate that has been shown in the research to regenerate uh, the epidermis. And so I used a combination of frankincense and helichrysomitalicum and 
um, Roman chamomile in, in order to calm and um, protect the skin. And the combination that I came up with is very concentrated and it's very effective because there's no cheap fillers in it that's just taking up space and everything on there has a purpose and everything on there is effective. And not only that, in my book, I have a graph or um, yeah, a graph of how skin ages. And I go into the different, I go right down into the molecular basis of skin aging. And there's certain things like matrix metalloproteinases, and there's things like AP1, which turns on your inflammation. And, um, and so I show from a molecular basis how your skin ages. And my formulation fights it by, um, by retarding the matrix metalloproteinases, by being anti-inflammatory, by regenerating epidermis, by, um, you know, in, just keeping your skin healthy. And so in my book, that's what that's kind of the basis of my book is, look, this is how we our skin actually ages. These are the factors. These are the exposome, the skin aging exposome factors, which are um, not just UV rays, they're pollution and, you know, um, stress and, you know, poor nutrition. All of these things are aging our skin. And then I show in the book what you can do to turn on your beauty genes, essentially epigenetically upregulate your whole system to preserve your skin health and beauty. And also what shows up on your skin is simply a reflection of how healthy you are on the inside. So it really works on health from a deep holistic manner, but you're going to see it on your skin because it all works together. Your skin is your body's largest organ. And like you mentioned earlier, Christine, it's bi-directional. It's an excretory organ of elimination, but it also is a highway for certain things to get into your body. It is not a barrier. It is not a stainless steel barrier, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's, that's my um, youth serum. So it actually fights aging on a molecular basis. And then the other product I came up with, um, it's a purifying mask. I call it the 15 minute facelift because you actually look better after at the end of 15 minutes after you rinse it off. It's just, it, it's basically um, detoxifying your skin. It's got an amazingly strong drying action. And so your skin, as soon as you're done with it, just already looks better. So I really recommend this for if you want to go out, you have a special occasion. I really recommend doing this before the special occasion. And also it brings color to your skin because what is it bringing up? Blood. Mm -hmm. It's bringing up blood to, you know, the top layers of your skin, they're dead. They don't get great um, blood flow. They don't get great circulation, but by drawing this drawing action brings blood and nutrients to the surface of your skin, which needs it. And so then I recommend putting youth serum on it for the deep hydration and then your makeup and you just glow all night long. And then after I came up with this product years later, I discovered that um, these articles started hitting the peer reviewed medical journals on air pollution is aging your skin. Mm -hmm. How does it do it? It's in the... Um, in the polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, in the air pollution, some of those particles are so small 
they're in the nanometer, nanometer size, which means they are much thinner than even your, uh, the width of your hair. They're getting into the pores of your skin, and one, that's how they are entering the body. And once they're in there, they are creating oxidative stress, which is also in my chart that shows how your skin ages. Oxidative stress turns on, basically oxidative stress turns on the wrinkle uh, cascade. And so these pollutants are getting into our skin and prematurely aging us. There are some people who will go at so far as to say that women today, not just American women, women today are aging faster than ever before because of the air pollution. And so now when I talk about this, I say to my women, um, use the mask once a week because you're not just you know, detoxifying like I said before, but now it's even more necessary because you've got to get those air pollution particles out of your skin. You must do a mask. Even if you don't use mine, you must use a purifying mask on a, a weekly basis. My younger women use it twice a week. But if you are older than, let's say, 40, the mature skin just doesn't have as much oil in it. And so it may be too drying. Mm-hmm. So that so that's now those are my those are my two products. You detoxify your skin and you prepare it for this highly nutritive, highly hydrating um, anti-inflammatory use serum, and and that's that's the combination that I recommend. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to try these. These sound wonderful, and I think yeah. you know the um, I love a lot of oil um, based serums myself as well. And um, blueberry seed oil is very um, I, I haven't seen that in a lot of products, so that's a really unique ingredient um, because I- it's so because it's so expensive. Mm. And um, I'm an indie beauty company, and so I put my whole heart and soul into this line. And because I get to say I get to say what I want to do, I get to source what I want. I'm in charge of all the money. I don't have outside investors. The outside investors hate the idea of blueberry seed oil because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes you might see blueberry seed oil in a product. I rarely, rarely, rarely see it. But it's at the end. Somebody just wants to claim, I have blueberry seed oil in my product. And it's, you know, it's not the first, it's the first ingredient in my product, which is why my product works so well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think um, you and I share a common um, framework for anti-aging, right? It's not only what you use topically, but also internally. And then, you know, I know the trends out there, there's a lot of things, um, you know, out there from Botox and different facial injections that try to really, um, you know, mask or, um, you know, temporarily solve or fix, um, you know, these wrinkles or, you know, um, aging when, you know, when you, I, I mean, I really got turned on in natural ingredients um, for all the reasons why you just shared. But also um, when you see the difference, I mean, they work. I mean, your skin, you're not hiding a problem. You're solving a problem and the skin only will, um, you know, age and repair and um, better, you know? So I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's kind of going to the root of the problem, not just masking it. Exactly. I so agree because let's say there's, let's say there's someone who's doing fillers and Botox. So the Botox is paralyzing the muscle and then the fillers is injecting something under the skin to plump it out well you haven't done anything for your actual skin you've Mm -hmm. you've you've sort of hidden or plumped up 
the, or made the wrinkles go away because you paralyze the muscle, which really on a long-term basis, does that sound healthy? <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, need, but what I'm really saying is that even if you do those things or get a facelift, you're not addressing you, your skin is nourished from the inside out and you have to address be- beauty is an inside out proposition. And even if you're doing these things on the outside, if you combined it with holistic nutrition on the inside, you would get even better results because the skin would actually glow and be moisturized and, you know, just look so much better. But yes, I, I, I do hear you on that. It's like, it's crazy. I mean, the skin has not changed. And then they covered up with a lot of, you know, makeup. And when your skin looks really nice, you really don't even need makeup. Mm -hmm. And I'm concerned, especially with, um, you know, our patients with autoimmunity, um, you know, putting um, synthetic or injecting, um, you know, these um, products like, uh, you know, these um, hyaluronic acid fillers um, that have not only hyaluronic acid, but also a host of other ingredients, you know, in them um, that they're also, um, you know, they're, they're just contributing to that environmental burden and only exacerbating, um, you know, autoimmune conditions. I mean, that's my, um, my take on it. So, I mean, I've seen my patients have taught me that cause I, I have, you know, I, I mean, it is what it is your choice. Um, but I've seen, you know, patients who are more chronically ill, um, tend to be that subset of popu- of the, um, population that do have reactions to these, um, you know, these treatments. So, um, we have other options. You don't have to go that road, <laughs> go, right. go down that road. Right. right? Yeah. In fact, maybe this is a good opportunity to say, I'm going to launch soon and a digital class called the I am fine protocol for beauty and wellness. And the reason why beauty and wellness are talked about together is I am proposing a new path. It used to be you could either be concerned about beauty and do your Botox and your injections and your makeup, or you could be concerned about health and then you're wearing Birkenstocks and no makeup (laughs) and, you know, um, organic clothing or whatever. But really what we're seeing or what I'm um, trending is a marriage of beauty and wellness. It all works together because the more wellness you're working on, the more beautiful you are. And I'm going to debut this concept in my online course, and I'm really excited about it because people aren't really talking about that. But there is a Kinsey, Kinsey is kind of a market researcher. They put out a report probably less than 12 months ago. I wrote about it for Thrive Global. But basically what they said was beauty and wellness are now becoming intertwined. Mm-hmm. And when the market researchers pick up on that, you know that there's a trend that's you know going to gain some traction here. So um, anyway, that's that's what I'm going to uh, bring out very soon. That's so exciting. And I completely agree with you, Anne-Marie. And we'll absolutely share the link um, on where to find this course in the show notes. And then um, what will you be covering? So, um, you know, people who are um, understand detoxification and natural health, health do understand this, you know, intersection between, um, you know, health and beauty and wellness, um, even though it's still not as commonplace as we want it to be. Um, but what kind of topics will you be covering in this course? Um, well, some of the modules will be, uh, 
uh, Eating for Beauty is the name of one of the modules. I'll be talking about how diet affects your, your skin and what kind of a diet would be best for that and also what you want to stay away from. And I've got some new information in there that people don't really talk about in terms of food. And so that's really exciting, but it's something that you have complete control over in your kitchen. And then I talk about um, sleeping for beauty mm-hmm. because you must sleep at night. You are, your body is detoxifying and also repairing at night. And they're looking at, um, you know, they're looking at epigenetics and skin aging genes in the skin. And they can see that even one night of partial sleep disruption is disrupting the skin aging genes. And it's like, how many of us have one night of disrupted sleep every single week? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, or maybe in your case, every night. <laughs> I have an eight week old. Yeah, no. So I can, I can blame her for by under, you know, under eyes. No, no, she's, yeah. she's been a good sleeper. And I, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. Um, I talk a lot about the brain and, um, you know, with the lymphatic system, like yeah. your brain cannot detoxify and repair unless you sleep. So I mean, sleep, I, I'm glad you're, um, it's so foundational. And I think people take it so for granted, but it, it's really, really an important um, point to, um, you know, hit. And what else? What else will you and be then, sharing? And then I'm going to cover stress, stress reduction, because stress has just an absolutely terrible effect on your skin. And we all know this, because how many of us broke out in a huge pimple before a first date? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost a cliche, isn't it? It's like your skin and your brain, they derive from the same ectoderm and they are, one influences the other. And so the stress reduction is a, a big part of the class because people are really stressed out and our whole culture and society is so on the go and people are plugged into their electronics everywhere they go people are getting a lot of blue light from their computers and iphones and that impacts by the way the blue light um, impacts aging on your skin Mm -hmm. but also it keeps you up at night and Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of stress so anyway I, i talk about stress reduction i talk a lot about detoxification of the body which is good for the skin because your organ your skin is an organ of elimination. It's right in that detoxification category. And unless you're working on decreasing your body burden, it's it's hard to maintain good health, wellness, and beautiful skin. It all works together. And then I've got a whole um, module. I, I go over more things in clean clean beauty. And then, um, oh, I, I talk about supplements. You know, how do supplements feed into the whole skin, beauty, and wellness arena. And, you know, there's so many supplements on the market, and there's a lot of hype between a lot of them. Well, which ones are really indicated for the kind of holistic, intrinsic beauty and wellness that we are striving for? This is the place where we want to get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, those are fantastic topics. And I know that people will learn a lot um, from you because not only um, do you understand this from a clinical um, perspective, but I know with your um with how you um, speak and put on conferences, you're really researching a lot of this information. And um, it's nice to know that um, science is catching up with what we've probably known for a while. 
Yeah, it's kind of, it's mind blowing what the research is now uncovering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Anne-Marie, I feel like I could um, chat with you all day and, you know, just pick your brain about product ingredients and environmental medicine and, um, you know, so many different topics. But I think we covered a lot, you know, today. And I um, know that you probably shared some really um, unique pearls that people have not thought about before. So I really am grateful for your time today. And where can people find more about you, your work and your products? Uh I, w- I would just go to my website, which is uh, com. Great. Well, thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Well, thanks, Christine. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Dr. Anne-Marie Fine. You can learn more about her and her products in the link below. And please check out her I Am Fine protocol for beauty and wellness. This is an excellent course that really walks you through a foundational approach to holistic beauty, wellness, and how to avoid toxic ingredients in your skincare. I honestly have thought about creating a class like this myself, and I'm so glad Dr. Anne-Marie Fine created this and she did a way better job probably than I would. And she's really, really research-based and committed to the science behind how these ingredients affect us environmentally. And also how can we optimize our unique genetic expression so that we can uh, really look and feel our best. So please check out the link and we look forward to hearing how you love the course in this podcast. Thank you. Thank you.